It was even before my time as they go, and certainly not before some of the folks' time who are gathered here this morning, but the folks that are younger than me will not be able to relate to this, so it's a little bit of a history lesson. I don't think Miss Rispoli knew what she was doing this morning when the singing we were doing wasn't quite connecting with the monitors and the projection, but it used to be called, well, you guys know what it used to be called when, when the entire worship service, the singing portion of the service, was done in such a way that the person leading would sing a line and the, person, the, the congregation would respond. Does anybody remember the, the word for that? Well, well, indeed, our younger generation would call it responsive singing, but the old, the old ca- called response, what's it? Call and response, okay, so maybe it's just a, a different term, then you, you wouldn't know the, the name I'm familiar with that it used to be called. Is it the same thing as lining? Okay, you've never heard of lining. Lining is, I bet what you know is call and response. So we, it was no crisis for our veteran pro here. She just stepped right in and led it with call and response or with lining, and uh, my, my prayer is that worship continued to happen anyway. So thanks, Yvonne, for taking care of that for us. Technology is a good thing, and that's all I'll say. <laughs> because we've got to move on here we've got to move on for those of you who are able and willing i'd be glad to have you stand with us again for the reading of our text this morning and for those of you who like to have a bible in front of you and uh, you don't have yours there's pew bibles and it's page 1137 page 1137 in the pew bible And if there's any that are turning to that, while you're turning, let me just put this in perspective. We're doing a series on gift, gifts from on high, giftedness, Uh, not the kind of things that we might be able to do in our own strength, but the kind of gifts that come from on high. If you've been with us for a number of weeks, you've been here as we've gone from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, we're now to 13, there was a break in there because we had a guest speaker. But we were looking at the Holy Spirit at the beginning of chapter 12. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit as a giver of gifts is where we were at last week. And while it might not sound like it, certainly that's where we're at this week because of what I see Paul doing in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You're going to recognize this chapter because it's a very popular chapter. And I'll put it into context after we have it read here. Please hear this from God's Word. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. And if I give all of my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag, and it is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account the wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Most of the time, love doesn't fail. What? I'm, I'm sorry, what's that? No, I think I might have got that wrong. 
How often is it that love fails? Love never fails. I'm going to ask you to join me with that. Just those three words. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they're going to be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there's knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. But now faith, hope, love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Thank you for standing with me. Please be seated and be comfortable. If that's up now, then we've messed up our order already because I don't want it to be there yet. Can I go back with it? Okay. There we go. Now we're cooking with gas. So, I don't know if you noticed it, but I certainly did notice it. Uh, If I have, if I speak, if I give, are there verses 1 to 3? Paul is really pouring on the wordplay. He's really bringing home the fact that he's trying to emphasize the greatest gift. This chapter, which we know as the what chapter? Which we know as the love chapter, just for the sake of bringing a point home, isn't the love chapter. If you want the love chapter, read read the first epistle of John later in the New Testament. That'll blow your, your socks off. That's the love chapter. It's a whole love book. This is still the greatest gift chapter. We're still talking about gifts. And the greatest of those gifts is his love. Paul was struggling with the church, and we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. So and so is impressed that they can preach. So and so is impressed that they can teach. So-and-so is impressed that he's an apostle. So-and-so is impressed with this over here. And he's no longer at Corinth. He's, he's moved on planting other churches somewhere else. Someone caught up with them and said, hey, things are going pretty well, but we've got this problem going on. Everybody thinks they're God's gift to the church. You know people like that? Everybody thinks they're God's gift to the church. And Paul, I can hear his response. Well, they kind of are. But... <laughs> But so what? Because the greatest gift isn't preaching. The greatest gift isn't singing, as wonderful as it is. The greatest gift isn't teaching as much as we need that. The greatest gift, blah, blah, blah. The greatest gift is love. And so if I, if I have all these other gifts, but I don't have love, he doesn't say it once. He, he doesn't say it twice. He says it three times. I I read the Bible this way. If it says something, 
that's awesome. If it says something twice, that's awesomer. And if it says it three times, that's most awesome infamous. It said three times. I don't care how good you are at what you do. As important as all that is. We got that? If you can't share that gift from a heart that's motivated by love, well, what's the outcome? <laughs> and you know, up until I took a trip to Israel, I thought he was using metaphors. You know, noisy gong, clanging cymbal. Of course, I am nothing is not a metaphor. He just nails, hits the nail on the head there. If you can't express your gift from a heart of love, right, there's, what it, what, there's what it's worth. Not, it's nothing, really. I used to think he was talking in metaphors till I went to, to India, and now I hope this comes up. Believe it or not, I took that picture. That's not a postcard. I uh, was just walking along, or was it, we were driving by that point, and uh, saw that off in the distance. I was doing some preaching in central India, and uh, my host, named by, a guy by the name of Philip Dongre, said, uh, we're close enough to that, Pastor Rick, that I need to take you and show you that you, you're going you're gonna to be touched by that. And I, I thought he was speaking in metaphor, but you're going to learn in a second he wasn't. That is the Holy of Holies for a particular Buddhist sect called Jainism. For those of you who study world religions, um, the Jains, it's spelled J-A-I-N, but it's pronounced Jain as in J-A-N-E. The Jains are an ascetic Buddhist sect. And as you can see, they love nature. Much of what we read in the Bible, you and I miss as what it was originally intended to be. It's critique of other religious perspectives. The, 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 the clanging gong isn't a metaphor. It's in that building that you see right there. And I can speak from painful experience that it is. Off to, off to the right there is... The whole building is, the whole section is, is the temple. And then up this waterfall cliff, you see there's even some of it up here. The ones who are really devout will do a prayer walk up that sidewalk, or up that ladder, steps kind of thing. Uh, I, evidently, I'm not one of those spiritual people because I took one look at that from the bottom and said, God's calling me elsewhere. <laughs> and we went here. And uh, sometime I can talk to you about what that whole bit was about. But as far as this morning goes, whoops, as far as this morning goes, I want us to dwell on this section. I uh, was taken by my host, Vasant was his name. Philip was no longer with us. He's no dummy. He didn't want to go where I went. But Vasant took me there so that I could share this illustration today. Each of those spires you see is a different chapel. And every one of those chapels has, you know, you, you, do your, you do your prayer work before you go into the Holy of Holies, you see. Every one of those chapels has a real small door like this, 
no electricity or anything. It's just, it's a small door, and it's intended to be the same thing as if you go to Israel and then you want to go to the prayer of the Church of the Nativity, or or the church where Jesus was born. I'm not exactly sure what the name of that one is, but it's got a really small door like this, so that you have to bow to get in. See what I'm saying? So I'm learning how to learning how to bow in humility before I approach God. So I go in like this, pitch black. I'm told in the front of the chapel sits a Buddha-like figure, but I can't see him. I, I get in there, and I, make, I clear the, the door, and I stand up. Boom! And then no sooner do I hear boom, I hear wah, 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 wah. A real, you know where I'm going, clanging gong. And... I'm, I'm rubbing my head like this. I ain't telling you what's coming out here because I'm supposed to be a spiritual leader. <laughs> and Wasant, knowing what I was going to do, they do this to everybody they take over there, and it's kind of like a, like a, what, what kind of initiation or something like that. He's standing over there busting a the gut, and he goes, now you're ready to pray. <laughs> and I... I, I hope I didn't say this out loud, but I at least remember thinking, brother, prayer is not what's on my mind right now. And he said, no, seriously. Now you're ready to pray. Because now, God will hear you. Well, if I wasn't mad before, you can imagine how mad I am now, because you and I know how often will God hear me when I pray. Always, always. So I don't have to be brought to the point of bloodletting to know that God's going to help me. He said, what in the world are you talking about? And he said, well, look, now I see a Buddha-like figure. You know, your eyes adjust to darkness, kind of. Now I see a Buddha-like figure. I said, yeah, I see him sitting there. And he said, well, just imagine, and of course, he's, he's a Christian, so he's telling me this story from the perspective of the believer in this particular Jainism stuff. Just imagine how long he has sat there before the last person came in here. And I'm thinking, well, if this is the treatment you get when you walk in here, it'd been a long time since someone's come in here last time. Well, he fell asleep. And he needed to be woken up. So you woke him up. You can be sure I woke him up. I don't care if it is a rock sitting there. I woke it up with my screaming. You woke him up, so now he's, now he's ready to hear you pray so you can pray. And now all of a sudden, you can imagine, in fact, it's happening again. Then... And I really did have a spiritual experience. How many millions of people in this world are bound by that in one form or another? That I've got to do something to get God's attention so that he can hear my prayers. And you've got to know that's just not the way it is. 
And I was also reminded of the Bible verse that says, God never sleeps or slumbers. That wasn't a cute poem. That was a critique against the millions of people in the world that thinks God sleeps or slumbers, and he doesn't. He is ever, ever watchful, ever careful, probably laughing as much as Yasada or my friend was when I held up, boom, like this, and he was way ahead of me. He knew what was coming. Kind of glad he didn't tell me no matter how much it hurt because it makes for a great sermon illustration. You don't, got, you don't got love? You're just a, you're just a, it's just a, it's just a noisy gong. It's just a noisy, that doesn't mean anything. We get so trapped up in our understandings of, we build beautiful temples to these gods who sleep. And we never stop to realize God is ever watchful in his care over us. Please, don't be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal as you express the gift of love that God has given you. Please express it from a heart that is genuine and authentic, powerful and enlivened, not because you're boasting about something you can do for God. He doesn't need it. Amen? He doesn't, he doesn't need that. He needs your heart of love being expressed so people can be free from whatever less than authentic definition of God they got. Well, with that thought in mind, I must have done it again. I must have pressed the wrong button. Sorry, guys. I'm not sure how to make it work again. There it goes. If there is a uh, problem Actually, I, did I skip one? There, there's, a, there's a slide that isn't showing back there. It's the what is love slide. So, it's one thing to say, while well, they look for that slide. It's one thing to say, sure, you got to operate from a perspective of love. You got to be real. You can't be a, a gong. You, you, you can't pretend that God's something like a rock or fake or unalive. It, it, it's got to be real. So Paul does what Paul needs to do. And he moves from the perspective of if, then, to telling us. Fine. You say I got to be love. Well, what is love? It, 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 it's interesting to say, yeah, you got to be loving. And that's kind of cute. But if you don't tell people what it is that love looks like, it's a swing and a miss after all. So he does exactly what he's inspired from on high to do. And if they haven't found it back there yet... I don't know if you can find it back there yet. Maybe it didn't get transferred to you guys. It's entitled, What is Love? There it is. Good work. Kudos. Thanks, gentlemen. Paul does something that is profound and practical, but it might blow us away. And here's what I mean by that. What is love? Well, it's patient. It's kind. It's not jealous. It does not brag. It isn't arrogant. It doesn't act becomingly. It's not self-seeking. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness. It does rejoice, however, with the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It even endures all things. In fact, it never fails. 
Now, as I'm going over this this, this this week in preparation for this morning, I'm thinking, okay, Paul's made his point. If you're, you're, a clong, you're, you're, a, you're a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, you're nothing if you don't have love. And he's got to say, okay, fine, I've told these people they've got to have love. I should probably unpack a little bit what it means to love. What does love look like? And so he, boy, does he give them both barrels. I read this list, and I think... Well, I got some of that. I, ooh, ooh, swing and a miss on that one. Uh, boy, I'm going to need a lot of help with that one. Is, in fact, I need some help. Is there anybody here today who, with the showing of hands, has all them down? Okay, Chris, did you see any? I, 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 did you see any? Okay, well, obviously there isn't any hands because we can't, I think, have all them, quote, down. But having said that, because of what Paul's doing, he's not putting this list here in front of us. I intentionally packed them all on one slide to make it look, I think, like Paul wanted it to look like. He's not trying to snow us. He's not trying to overwhelm us. He's not trying to set a bar in front of us that he knows we can't reach. He's trying to tell the people who love being whatever it is they love so much that they think they're God's gift to the church, this is what matters more. As important as all of us are in being what we are to the church and to the community, to our families and so on, this is what matters the most. And I don't see it written here, but I see it said loud and clear. Whenever one of you, I'm looking at a lot of contenders because you're wonderful folks. I had one person tell me this week, Rick, you've got to stop telling us we're such wonderful folks. Well, if you would prove otherwise, I would stop telling you. <laughs> you're, I'm finding you to be a wonderful group of people. But what Paul is essentially saying here is when one of us can, say, can raise our hands at the pastor's request, when one of us have all of these down perfectly, then, then I'll let you boast about your other gifts. That's when you can do it. Paul says, hey, I'm the apostle, says Paul. I'm the one who could trump all of you because I'm the apostle. But here's what we'll do. Make you a deal. Right here's what it means to be a loving person. When you have that down perfectly, I'll let you boast about it more than I get to boast about being the apostle. And here's an interesting little twist. When you can get to the place that you can boast about being the most loving, what do we have to know? <laughs> you, you know, you ain't going to do it anyway. Because love doesn't brag and it doesn't boast. He's got the perfect fix to bring healing and health and wholeness to the church. Please, says Paul, please stop boasting about your gifts. Please operate from a perspective of loving kindness, genuine, authentic love. Because this, this is what I want the church to look like. That scrunched up slide right in front of you. If we get this down, then everything else takes its proper perspective. Now I'm ready for this. There's obviously something happened back there that we have our slides all messed up. Now I want the other one. If there's a problem, if there's a problem with giftedness in the church of Christ today, if there's a problem with giftedness in the church of Jesus Christ today, 
it does not stem from the Holy Spirit's inability to give us gifts. Let's not be foolish. Of course, it does not stem from that. The Holy Spirit is still in the gift-giving business. If there is a problem with giftedness in the church today, it comes from our inability or our unwillingness, I don't know which, you tell me, to pursue the greatest gift by embracing love for one another. There's the heartbeat of the message this morning. I know there's a Holy Spirit, and if I was doubting it before this week, I got my clock cleaned on Thursday, and it's been driven back home loud and clear. I know there's a Holy Spirit who wants to pour out everything He's got on you and me. Amen? I know that there's a Holy Spirit who's in the process of pouring out everything He's got on you and me. I've borne witness to it. I wonder if maybe if we're seeing stuff today, whether it's in the church or in our family, in our community, in our nation, mercy, I wonder if maybe the problem is our inability or unwillingness to pursue the greatest gift by embracing love from one another. I grant you that we can't contain or that we can't obtain perfectly this list. We can't attain perfectly this list. There's obviously something wrong with my button here, so I'm, not even, I'm going to stop pressing it. So that, that's right. That's the one I want. I, I do want that one. Paul knows that we haven't arrived yet, and leave it there for a while. Paul knows that we haven't arrived yet. I got it. We can't, we can't attain that list perfectly, but we can be characterized by that list. We, we can look at that list, and we can go, I'm pursuing patience. I'm pursuing kindness. We are pursuing kindness. We are pursuing patience. We are pursuing these things. And then as we do that, we move ever closer to what it is God wants for us as a body. Paul even is so kind as to say, well, let's think about when we were children. When I was a child. Just think about it. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child. I'm ready for the next one. I used to think like a child, and I used to reason like a child. Now, you and I, I'm good for a while yet, you and I are good with this. We see this, and we know what we're thinking. When Paul says, when I was a child, you and I have in our minds what he might have meant. I'd like to suggest this morning that it's something, what he had in mind was something different than what you and I have in mind. Speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. What did he not say? And that's what's next. He didn't say, that's what you and I are thinking, isn't it? Well, that's what I'm thinking. Forget, forget what you're thinking. I raised three children. I know what they act like. Paul's not concerned what they acted like. He's concerned about how they speak, how they think, and how they reason. It's not a sermon on parenting. Someday I'll maybe take a risk and give you one of them, but I'd, li I'd like to suggest that if 
We're concerned about the way our children acts, or more likely the neighbor's children, how they act, if we would spend more time concerned about how they talk, think, and reason. We would have to be concerned less with how they act. Amen? And what we don't know as parents is what Paul made very obvious right here. How they act is second cedar to how they speak, think, and reason. That's important to understanding our gifts. How you act out your gift is less important than how you speak, how you think, and how you reason. Paul wants you speaking love. He wants you thinking love. He wants you reasoning love. Because if and when you do, how you're going to act? Detail. That all comes into place. And I just love how it is that Paul brings a message home, relatability, all of us can relate to that. All of us can relate to how it is our children act. Paul says, speaks volumes by not even saying that. He says, speak, think, and reason. When I got that, I don't have to worry about how they act. I remember once when I was a teenager at summer camp, the song leader that week had a two- or three-year-old daughter. All of us were amazed at how that little girl talked to us as if she were a little grown-up. She was a little adult. She even looked like a miniature uh, homunculus. You know what that was? She even looked like a, a little grown-up. And so we caught the song leader one day with him and her, we're out in the compound, and a bunch of us gathered around and said, hey, what's up with this? How does this happen? And he says, how does what happen? Well, she's talking with us like she's some sort of adult. How'd that happen? And he says, well, I don't know. But all I ever do is talk to her like a grown-up. Maybe that might have something to do with it. And you know as well as I do that it does. If we grown-ups function in such a way that we speak in a way that, I don't know, talks down, why would we be surprised that the people in our lives act that way? I don't know. If we as adults communicate in such a way that our thinking just isn't quite connecting, why would we be surprised if the people within our sphere of influence don't think so well. And of course, the same for reason. All he did as a dad was talk to his daughter like a grown-up. And so all the daughter heard was input that sounded like a grown-up. So if all she's going to hear is input that sounds like a grown-up, what's she going to learn to say? Talking like she's a grown-up. If we speak right, if we think right, if we reason right, we don't have to worry about how it is that we're acting. So, now, we all see in the mirror dimly. None of us can do any of this perfectly. We all see through this mirror dimly. So, as Paul's issue was, everyone's boasting about how great they are of a gift to the church in his day. So, instead of boasting about anything, 
whether it's what we can do or what we got or who we are or who our parents were or what our lineage is or what my job is or what my wardrobe looks like. <laughs> we, we all see through a glass or through a mirror dimly. So instead of boasting about anything, instead of boasting about anything, how about here's a plan, here's a suggestion, here's a thought, here's an idea. How about we just do our best to love one another? Amen? And if you're wondering, how do I do that? You keep 1 Corinthians chapter 13 real close. And if you ever got off track about, oh no, I don't, I don't know what that means, you whip this puppy out. And then you see, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. It doesn't act unbecomingly. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't take into account the wrong suffered. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Indeed, as we all know, love never fails. Well, thanks for letting me take just a minute of your time and finishing up our gifts series by looking at the greatest gift, the gift of love. I can't help but think as I stand on the Word of God and say, as we all pursue love, all of these other things will come to place. Amen? Please stand with me as we pray. Thanks, God, for these kinds of passages. They sure are beautiful. Thanks for the kinds of life experiences that you give to each one of us that help shed light on your beautiful word of truth. Thanks for being obviously moving in our midst as each of us try in our own way to pursue the greatest gift, which is love. We thank you for it. Bless us with it now as we seek to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.